0: Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this special episode, Erica and I will be talking about Samhain and how to celebrate and honor this traditional holiday. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and
1: discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams.
0: We're your hosts, the Mystic Sisters,
1: Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we have a first for our show. We chose the death card, which is a major arcana card. While the numbered minor arcana or the pips are about day-to-day events, the court cards are the cast of characters, and the major arcana are the keynote or lessons of the story in your reading. The theme of the death card is unsurprisingly death, but also transformation.
0: Now, the death card can be scary when it shows up, Pop culture has added some sort of banality to the card. When it shows up in movies or TV, the mystical fortune teller character will dramatically declare that someone is going to die. So to push back on that, many of us who teach tarot teach a mellower version, that the death card is about transformation and change. And it's actually a very good card, and it's not scary at all. But honestly, it can be both, and it is both. Death can mean literal, physical death or a metaphorical death. Whichever it is, it speaks to an event that precipitates an earth-shattering change in your reality. And it's hard because I don't want people to freak out when they see this card in a reading. There's so much potential that comes after the death. It is an opportunity to shed our skin like a scorpion and emerge bigger and better than ever. We can rise like a phoenix from the ashes of our death, and so we often look and focus on that after, after the death, whether it's metaphorical or literal physical, during the readings, and, and that sort of softens the blow of that death, but in some ways, this is bypassing the grief that comes from the death.
1: The death card is a hard end to the path you're currently on. In fairy tales, mythology, and literature, it's the moment when the character realizes that there is zero chance that they will continue where they thought they were headed and they must start a new path. So this is a metaphor or an analogy for when you've been on a path for so many years that the path dies, leaving you directionless. Yes, there is potential here. If you've been at the same job for 30 years and lose that job, you have a thousand new options for what career you can pursue next. We tend to focus on the opportunities, the bright side, and to make it not seem so bad. But the death is also about grieving the loss of that path that you were on. You can't move forward onto the next path without properly saying goodbye and processing that grief. So Maggie, do you have a story about the death card? I feel like I've gone through
0: a lot of deaths in my life. I think that's normal. It's a cycle. Um, But the one that I was thinking of, well, I feel like... Sometimes when I look back on my life, there's like all of these other people that I don't really recognize because I'm changed so much from that person. And it's almost like that person has died and I've replaced them. And sometimes there is a sadness of wishing to go back to that point in my life or wishing to be that person again, even if I am in a happy place now where I'm happy with who I am but there's all of these moments of death and grieving for a person that i don't really connect with as who i am anymore if that makes sense
1: yeah <laughs> um i i reminded somebody shared a quote that was um if you if you lose people as you go through your transformation they were only supposed to know the old you mm-hmm. and so that's kind of similar to your thought like your old you was only known by your old you.
0: yeah and yeah. the people who I mean obviously there's people like you and and everyone in our family who have known me throughout my life and so you've seen sh- changes um But then there's people like my husband, who's only known me as like basically this version of myself, didn't know me in college, didn't know me as a child. And so there's like a difference in how you relate to somebody based on like when you meet them and who you are in that moment. And honestly, if I had met him earlier, we probably wouldn't have connected in the same way because of me being a different person.
1: We talked about it before but it got lost in the uh, madness of our recording last week but there's a poster that I've had in my bedroom for a very long time that um, says some people come into our lives and quickly go some stay for a while and leave footprints on our hearts and we are never ever the same
0: yeah I remember
1: that poster Do you do you still have it I do. It's sitting on the floor waiting to be hung up, but it's in my room.
0: Yeah, it, so. it was like blue and yellow, right? And it's like a
1: moon or Blue sun. and yellow and purple. Yeah. And there's a sun on the top and a moon on the bottom and pretty scrawling font. Yeah, that was a that was
0: a nice poster. A good quote to remember. And it's basically what I'm speaking to. And like you mentioned before with the major arcana, it's more of like a theme. And so I think that's why it kind of, this card is it's hard to pinpoint like one moment in our life that we experience this because it's a theme that kind of overlays your entire life the lessons that you learn throughout your life whereas with the minor arcana we we can see a moment in our day that that happened you know Mm -hmm. so do you have a story that you want to add to this
1: I do, and I feel like starting at the end of 2019 and the year of 2020 was a death year for me, both physically and metaphorically. We've talked about the loss of our grandparents, um, and I got divorced, and I completely transformed myself, my life, my routines, got a new job, got new everything. And, um, it was everything that the death card represents was the year 2020 for me on top of all of the COVID stuff that was happening. And, um, you know, my spouse is transgender and they talk about the dead name, um, for the old name that they had and for the partner, It quite literally feels like a death. I lost my husband and he is gone forever. And this new, very new, entirely different person entered into his place. And because I had to support her and her transformation, I never properly got to mourn and grieve the death of my husband. And so that was also part of the process was going through all of that grief. So, you know, I I guess for me, that part of like I was on a path and I was on a path for almost ten years and that path came to a very abrupt halt. Yeah, and, and there's definitely
0: no continuing on that path of being, you know, married to a husband and having that life together. It was a very different path emerged for you.
1: Right. And then even that path, um, you know, trying to be a queer couple and live this lifestyle, that path, like, it was it was almost like I was trying to make my way through the brambles to cling desperately to the path that I wanted to be, or thought that I needed to be on. Um, it was denial. It was... Um, hope. It was safety and comfort and something that I knew. And it just got to a point where the brambles were too thick and I couldn't make it work anymore. And so I had to find the next path. And so there's that after death now that is so much better and so much more rewarding and happy and joyful and, um, you know Maggie was talking about you can't you can't appreciate the after death without grieving the death
0: yeah if you didn't have the chance to to grieve it then you might still be grieving and not in a place where you can enjoy where you are now shall we move on to our main topic for the week sure so we are talking about Samhain. And before we get into that sabbat, we're going to give you some background about the wheel of the year. So this is a way to recognize the important turning points in nature's annual journey through the seasons. I personally love the wheel of the year because it reminds me to reconnect with the natural world and the dynamic energy of the sun.
1: Much of this cyclical calendar is based on the agricultural timing of planting crops in spring, watching them grow in summer, harvesting them in the fall, and resting and preparing in the winter. Many of us modern people who are not farmers do not necessarily need to be preoccupied with the agricultural calendar. However, there is something to be said for aligning with these themes throughout
0: the year. So in the Wheel of the Year, there are eight sabbats, and four of these are solar holidays, and four of these are fire holidays or fire festivals. So the four solar holidays are related to the position of the sun, and the dates of these holidays will differ from year to year. So we have the spring equinox is Ostra, the summer solstice is Letha, the fall equinox is Mabin, and the winter solstice is Yule. And then the fire festivals are the midpoints between the equinox and the solstice, or the solstice and the equinox. So they are Imbolg, beltana Lunasa, and Samhain. So we're focusing on Samhain today because that is the date that is approaching in the northern hemisphere. If you are a southern hemisphere listener, then Beltana is what's coming up for you. So we'll link some information about this sabbat in the show notes. Just go to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 042. As I mentioned, this sabbat is the midpoint between the fall equinox, Mabon, and the winter solstice, Yule, and it is the final harvest following Lunasa and Mabon. There's usually very little left to harvest at this point, depending on where you live in
1: the world. Now, Mabon is often considered the first day of fall, but in the past, Lunasa would have been the first day of the harvest season or fall. The word Samhain is translated as summer's end, which would make it the first day of winter, not Yule, as most modern calendars tell us. And this is a platform that I am on, I am nailed to, and I will eventually change all of the way people think about the seasons. (laughs) If we talk about it enough, people will come around.
0: (laughs) It just makes so much more sense, even if you think about midwinter being the other name for Yule. Why would midwinter be the first day of winter? That doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And that's, I mean, that is exactly why I started thinking this way. Yeah. So um, it's hard to think that, like, it's a beautiful day here in Colorado. The leaves are golden and orange and bright red. And it's like, it's, it's fall. It feels like fall. It doesn't feel like winter yet. So it's hard to shift your way of thinking but if you if you do start thinking like the last day of fall would feel or the, ver- the first day of winter would feel very much like the last day of fall. It's not like we're suddenly in winter. We have to ramp up to it. And, so, and
0: anyway. you have to keep in mind that it also just depends on where you are in the world, because a lot of these are very northern European centric. And I think that's important to mention because many of our traditions, our ancestors followed them based on the environment and the circumstances and their beliefs. So I think any witch who's creating these celebrations for themselves should be focused on where they live and the environment around them and the circumstances that they're in and their belief system so I live in Florida and I have many different traditions for the changing seasons because this is a subtropical environment there's not much change from there's dry and there's rain (laughs) like those are our two seasons (laughs) and there's just like constant every season except for winter is happening all the time So uh, right now, the orange season is beginning. So I've brought more oranges into my practices at this time of the year, because there's a plethora of oranges everywhere. (laughs) And it's the end of hurricane season. So there is like the death of hurricane season in in that sense. Um, So I think that's just something really beautiful about witchcraft is that it doesn't have to be a monolith of Everybody who celebrates Samhain celebrates it this way, and you have to do it this way or you're wrong. There's so much more freedom to do what you want to do, and um, if it makes sense for the area that you live in and the things that you believe in and the time you have available to you and the money you have available to you, do that, (laughs) and if there's something else that you want to incorporate into these practices or into these celebrations, then feel free to add them.
1: Yeah, I, I think it really speaks to what r- witchcraft is in that it's a craft and a practice because it doesn't have that dogmatic um, adherence to ritual and practice that some of the other major religions have. Witchcraft is not a religion. It's you do it your own way and you figure out what makes sense. And I think that that's really special. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be presenting some traditional practices and activities and we want you to reflect on whether they are authentic to how you practice witchcraft and what you notice about the seasonal changes in your area. But first we'll share a little bit about how Samhain came to be. Now that
0: you know some background about the Wheel of the Year, we'll talk a little bit about Samhain, which many people in the modern world have come to call Halloween. They're celebrated on the same day. So, the way that most people celebrate Halloween comes from traditions that originated with Samhain, but Samhain is much more meaningful to the witches and pagans who celebrate it than the more commercialized Halloween celebrations. Halloween could be considered maybe half of the overall Samhain celebration. Halloween is more focused on, like, the costumes and the revelry and the social interaction and playing tricks on people. And those are part of Samhain. Those are important aspects of how we celebrate Samhain. After all, Scorpio season, when Samhain occurs, is when we are invited to explore the taboos of polite society and be a little bit more wild and less refined, as we talked about in last week's episode. But Samhain is also about communicating with the spirit realm and being really quiet and looking within. So that's because at Samhain... The veil between the realms, between the physical and the spiritual realm, is at the thinnest, which means that the spirit realm entities, like fairies, spirits, and ancestors, can visit the spirit, the physical realm more freely than they do at other times of the year.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always kind of viewed... Samhain as a two-day holiday, that it's both October 1st and November 1st, and that's kind of where we get that distinction between Halloween and All Saints Day in the Catholic tradition. Would you agree with that? Um, Samhain, it
0: can be in some, it depends on how you celebrate it, because I, I, I think two days is good because it's the overnight, and, and actually the, the thinnest part of the veil is at like 2 a.m., on November Mm -hmm. 1st which is you know it feels like October 31st nighttime but it's like the morning Mm -hmm. so there's like a crossover but some people will celebrate for um, a couple weeks um, over the course of the season or whenever you have time so uh, yeah I think that's a good way to think about it with All Saints Day and Halloween being like the two aspects (laughs) where it's like Mm -hmm. um, celebration wildness and then, you know, more ref- more refined, like, um, communication. Reflective. Yeah. yeah, reflective. Reflective,
1: you know, thinking about those who had died, all of that. So.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: One of the stories surrounding the seasonal change is about the dying god or the sun. And so by Samhain, the earth is barren in the upper northern latitudes, meaning that god has died and will be reborn at Yule. And so then there's the story of Persephone, who's the goddess of spring and the underworld, and she goes underground at Samhain to be with her beloved Hades. And she reemerges around Imbolic or Ostara, which um, I also attribute to... I've heard before like her mother being the goddess of the spring Demeter and so she's sad that her daughter has left and stops making things grow and then rejoices when Persephone returns and and brings it back so Demeter and Persephone kind of get squashed together a little bit. And then another name for Samhain is the witch's new year and again if we're thinking about the seasons if the new year starts at winter then new year witch. Winter, New Year, it goes together anyway. Um, this is because Samhain is the final spoke on the wheel of the year, which makes it simultaneously the beginning of the next cycle around the wheel. But before we start talking about the traditional practices, let's talk about the herb of the week. So
0: this episode is brought to you by Garlic. Erica is going to tell you the medicinal properties and then I will share the magical properties.
1: So garlic is one of those wonderful herbs that you should just always have in your repertoire of herbs. It's it's good for so many beautiful, wonderful things. First and foremost, is a very important culinary herb. You cannot find most recipes that do that don't have garlic incorporated into it somehow. Maybe the desserts. The desserts don't necessarily have it, but um, <laughs> um but it is so good for you and so wonderful for you. So first and foremost, its Latin name is Allium sativum, um, and it is a herb for the heart and circulatory system. It's really does wonders for hypertension, for coronary Mm -hmm. heart disease, for any sort of age-related vascular changes, and atherosclerosis. It can help prevent myocardial infarction or heart attacks. It's good for menstrual disorders. It's good for anything related to circulation and enhancing that. And then on top of that, it's good for the immune system. It's a stimulant of the immune system, so it's great for colds and flus. It's both antibacterial and antifungal, uh, which means that um, the antifungal piece is great for any sort of um, vaginitis or um, UTI. That wouldn't be fungal, that would be bacterial, but both of those qualities are really great for um, those areas. It's great for um, sinus congestion and bronchitis as well. any sort of respiratory illness as well because that your respiration is so closely related to your cardiovascular system as well. It's good for allergies. I know that I've made a tincture with uh, garlic and nettle before which we will talk about in a future uh, episode. Just always be eating garlic even if it makes you smell.
0: <laughs> that makes me think of Anna. She, you could always tell when she ate garlic. Yes. She like sweated it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's a good point. Some people are more uh, susceptible to the smell than others, and so you can it can affect your pores and you can sweat it out, which means makes you smell of garlic. It's a, It also gives you really bad breath. So if this is something that you don't want in your life. There are other herbs that um, will do these same things. Uh, And I think I've heard, don't quote me on this, but I've heard that sometimes if you take a garlic supplement, instead of eating the raw garlic, or even cooked garlic, that it doesn't affect as much. And so a lot of people will take it in a pill form instead of eating it. But I, that might just be anecdotal evidence. So, Maggie, what are the magical properties of garlic? Well,
0: garlic is an active herb. It's uh, associated with Mars and the fire element and Aries and Scorpio. It's used to correspond with Hecate, which we're going to talk about her later today with the um, goddess of the world, section of our show. We chose garlic for this week because of its association with vampires and we thought that was kind of spooky. So if you want to repel vampires, whether they're vampires that want to suck your blood or uh, vampires that suck your energy, then garlic is a good herb to have around. You can use it for healing for all of the ways that Erica has told us, but in general for magic it's more used for protection And for banishment, so getting rid of things that you don't want around you, um, as well as purification of a space. So it's very good for cleansing. So for the most part, the best way to use garlic is for guarding against negativity or stagnant energy that you don't want, whether that's like magic that's been directed to you in the form of a curse or a hex or a spirit that's kind of Malignant, can spirits be malignant? I think so. Malicious, maybe. Malicious, and the emotions that don't feel as pleasant. So, negative emotions like um, envy, anger, things like that can help you to work through those emotions. So, one way to use garlic is to hang it in your home. You might have seen like braided garlic chains where the um, shoot of the garlic and then the is braided, and then the garlic bulb hangs off of it. So that's one thing you can do is create a braided garlic chain and hang that in your home near a door or near a window. And uh, another way is to include a clove of garlic in your protection spells or protection potions. I have had garlic tea and it is surprising that it doesn't taste terrible, uh, especially if you put a lot of honey in it. So that is a kind of a protection potion, I guess. And you can just It's pretty simple to use because you can pop a clove of garlic in your pocket and carry it around for protection like a talisman against any sort of bad things that might come your way. Um, If you carve a sigil into the clove of garlic, that's another way to add some power to that clove. So I think for the most part, just remembering that garlic is great for protection, and that's like its main use in terms of magic.
1: Perfect. Yay,
0: garlic. Stinky, smelly. Stinky, smelly garlic. That's Maybe that's why it's so protective, because it's so stinky. And just nobody yeah. wants to be around you, <laughs> even, <Yeah>. even the, <laughs> the bad ones and the good ones. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it tastes
0: so good. It it does taste good. And it's great for kitchen witchcraft, because it's oh, used yeah. in so many recipes. You just put it in, and you're like, cool, this thing is for
1: protection. I made pasta yep. sauce for protection. Yay. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it in my pumpkin pie and see how that goes. At, goes. Oh. <laughs> no, I won't. I would advise against that. <laughs> I'm sure the cinnamon or the nutmeg will protect me well enough. Yes, exactly.
0: Those are also protective. <laughs> So let's switch back to our main topic, and we are now going to talk about how to celebrate Samhain. A couple years ago, I wrote a blog post about ways to celebrate Samhain, and so we won't go too much into all of the ways to celebrate here. You can link, we'll link to that blog post in our show notes. Just go to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 041 for even more ways to celebrate Samhain. Um, But we will share a few ways here and some of our favorite ways to celebrate.
1: Probably the most popular ways to celebrate is to go trick or treating. So this tradition originated as a community building activity and you could get to know the people around you through the exchanging of prayers and gifts to those who that you met. So... Um, my roommate actually asked me the other day, uh, we were out getting Halloween decorations for our porch. and She's like, why would anybody ever give treats to random kids? And why would kids go up to strangers and ask for treats? Like, why is that a thing? And I was like, Well, because we used to live in villages of like 25 people and you knew everybody anyway. So it wasn't strangers. It was your neighbors and the people that you saw every day going about your business. And it as you know, it it was just a way to be like, hey, the we've had a great harvest this year and I want to share with you my bounty and you're going to share with me your bounty and we're going to celebrate this harvest and Prepare for the long winter that's coming.
0: Yeah. So in general, it's just like about building community and sharing gifts and getting to know the people around you. Um, and and one of the things that people did was exchanging prayers for other people's ancestors. So people would go door to door and offer a prayer in exchange for food or for um, money or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's really funny now with the way we trick-or-treat in modern times because I've been learning about how people trick-or-treat in Florida and it's so different from how I grew up which probably probably I mean I can't say most because everyone probably has different experiences with trick-or-treating but the the way I remember it is we just went around our neighborhood so it was just like we walked up and down the block we met, went to maybe 20 houses and um, however many people lived around us but one family was telling me about their trunk or treats where all of the cars would all of the families of a school would go to the parking lot of the school and then you go trunk or treating so you get candy from the car next like so it's all the people who go to your school so there's still that community building Mm -hmm. aspect um, but instead of going to people's houses, you go to your school and it's all the families of the children that go to that school. And I was like, that's pretty cool and also weird. And then the other thing that I heard recently was that there's certain neighborhoods in Florida where families will like gather up a bunch of kids and one parent will drive all of the kids to that one neighborhood. Um, And I think it's where houses are maybe closer together, or it's safer, or I'm not sure what it is. But they, I would be so annoyed if I lived in that neighborhood, and that it's like every kid in the entire city is coming to my house instead of going to the houses
1: around them. (laughs) Because
0: that's not your community. It's someone else's community.
1: (laughs) Yep. I like to think about the differences in the translations from the different languages. Like in France, I think it's it's tr- candy or death. Oh. <laughs> um, and in another one, it's uh, a treat or a spell. Oh. So, so somewhere along the line, you know, with the diminishing of the witch's power and like that that sinful witch that we've talked before, that word spell turned into trick or prank or um all that stuff so i think there's like a curse Uh curse was what it was before something like that yeah well death apparently is
0: (laughs) give me candy or give you death
1: (laughs) (laughs) so um not exactly community building in that sense
0: (laughs) but it's it's probably similar to what the next tradition with uh, Samhain which is pranking and so it's probably like not real death I'm not going to actually kill you Mm -hmm. I'm just going to trick you Um, and so one of the main reasons that pranks are popular for this time of the year for Samhain is because of the um, crossing over of the fae from the spirit realm and so you could blame your pranks on a fairy (laughs) you could say I didn't do it it was the fairies So there's a lot of pranking going on around That's then. Pranking,
1: yeah. Um, in one of the northern countries, Scotland or Iceland or something like that, they used to have Mischief Night. Mm-hmm. Um, where um it was the night before Halloween, and all the kids could go and do mischief, and it was okay, and the par- the adults turned a blind eye and it was just a night of fun and revelry there's an actually an episode of little house on the prairie where they go do mischief night and i remember watching it as a kid going like what the heck is this what's happening <laughs> we don't so, have that <laughs> we don't have that that's not
0: a thing so it's so creepy to look at those old those shows that are set in older times where the costumes that they had are just like horrifying <laughs> definitely no, I know, not right? like iron man or
1: <laughs> like we see now yeah. it's
0: like the scariest goblin you've ever seen yeah from a horror movie
1: <laughs> yes um so that kind of brings us to our next area which is costumes um costumes are just in general, a way of um kind of hiding yourself from the demons, from the spirits, from the baddies, so that um they won't they won't get you and they won't prank you. Um, it tricks them. Apparently, the fae are very uh, gullible. Maybe because we hear about this a lot.
0: Yeah, they don't know they don't know what uh, what humans look like in costume they're like oh yeah
1: you're a ghost yeah. you're just like you're me because yeah. <laughs> like we hear about it in like weddings that bridesmaids would dress like the bride so that the spirits wouldn't kidnap and k- murder the bride like I, d- I just the fae are just very unaware maybe <laughs> I mean the the,
0: fae, the spirit realm is a lot is very confusing so I imagine they're confused all the time
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, we i would do want to make a, just a little shout out uh in our in our current modern world about being reflective of the costumes that you choose that it's not cultural appropriation and that it's not um intentional or unintentionally making fun of anybody or anything and that um we you know obviously have fun with your costume and enjoy yourself and be in revelry with your friends, but just have a do it with a kind heart
0: yeah, without you know having fun with your costume shouldn't be uh at the expense of somebody else. There's ways to have fun without you know exploiting somebody or making fun of somebody yeah so another way to celebrate Samhain is to have a party that is filled with games so that is another aspect of the sort of like more fun wild part of this holiday um letting go and being uninhibited so a lot of times there's A lot of alcohol and merrymaking. And in the past, it was an opportunity for couples to meet each other. And so there was a lot of matchmaking happening. The games were surrounded um, the... The idea of the game or the goal of the game was to end up with another person to become a couple at the end of the night.
1: So those are some of the more wild and crazy and fun revelry, mischief-making things that you might do leading up to the opening of the veil. We're welcoming the spirits in. We're... Uh, saying, come and join us, have fun with us, make merry and play your pranks because we are inviting it. And then after those things have come to an end, we can transition into the more reflective and uh, meditative part. And so one way you can do that is by lighting a path. People would often set out candles and a line to guide the spirits and the ancestors to their door so that they could visit the living. It's also beneficial to light the way because the days are shorter and it's hard to see the path in the evening. And I'm I'm reminded of, um, you know, like the Day of the Dead kind of things that are done in the Mexican culture that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the shrines and altars in a minute, but they're covered in candles you know they're they're wanting to make sure that the spirits can find them and i you know i'm i'm envisioning cocoa which is just so brightly saturated with color and lit up um that bridge that they cross is like glowing flowers and leaves and so um, if you think about jack-o'-lanterns, if you think about any sort of like holiday lights that might be happening, like we're, we're bringing the spirits to us. We're saying, come and visit. We welcome you. Yes, exactly.
0: And as Erica said, shrines and altars are another way to invite the um, ancestors and deceased loved ones to visit and to communicate with you when the veil is, thi- is thin. And there's one belief that people only die when those who knew and loved them stop speaking their names. So creating these shrines for your ancestors, even people that you maybe didn't meet, but they are part of your family, um, creating these shrines keeps their memory alive, and especially for people that you did know. So a shrine is a way to remember people and it's a or or something so you can set up a shrine for a purpose um, or for a person and then an altar is as we've said before is where you would do magical working so you might set up a specific altar for Samhain where you can do your divination and spell work as we'll get to in a minute Um, and then the shrine is more as like a reminder and sort of like a display and so one thing that we're excited about this year is our mom was able to set up a shrine for our grandmother at the Longmont Museum and Cultural Center in Colorado. Uh, it was something that they had visited together. And it, the emphasis of the of the exhibit is to teach about the Day of the Dead in Mexican culture. And they invited people from the community to set up these shrines for their loved ones. So we are happy that our grandmother can be
1: honored in that way. Yeah. So the other thing that you can do um, is you can do any kind of spell work uh, that is inviting your ancestors to visit. Um, My boyfriend, he's so thoughtful. He found this one and he sent it to me. It's a stovetop incense for Samhain. And uh, basically what you do is you uh, mix ingredients in a liquid base and simmer it on the stove in a pan Uh, throughout the day. And uh, it's intended to be kind of done all day long. And it invites the good spirits in and requests that the bad spirits leave. And so the recipe is uh, water, uh, an apple, cinnamon sticks, rosemary sprigs, cloves, allspice, and a bay leaf. And then you can also do a shot of uh, wine or dark liquor um, if you are so inclined. But what I like about it is that it's really simple and you can just add more water to it throughout your day. And each time you do that is another opportunity for you to say a prayer or invite spirits. If you're having a party with friends, you can ask them to add water and they can ask their ancestors to visit. Um, and so it get, it's, it's that community building piece again. And it's not, um, it's not hard. It's not in your face and elaborate. It's just this simple thing and it makes your house smell really good. So... So
0: that's a good type of spell to do where you invite spirits into your home, the spirits that you want to visit. You could also do spells for protection using garlic. You could uh, use this opportunity to create a braided garlic um, chain like I mentioned before um, because those are, cause you want to be protected from those malicious spirits as you invite spirits into your home or doing if you have a hard time with astral travel or lucid dreaming or Seeing beyond the veil, doing spell work in that vein. So it's a good time for powerful spells at this time of the year. And then uh, the final way to celebrate Samhain is with divination. So the word divination is basically communicating, it means to communicate with the divine, which some people are kind of scared off by the word divine, but all that means is the spirit realm. So it's having some sort of communication with your higher self, your intuition, with ancestors, with other beings that live in the spirit realm. And so since the veil is very thin at Samhain, uh, messages from the spirit realm are going to come through much more clear, so much clearer. So if you have a question that's been eating away at you and you really need an answer, this is a really good opportunity to get a clear message.
1: Okay, so now we will transition to our goddess of the week. And we have mentioned Hecate already today. She is the Greek goddess of magic and witches. So we thought that she would be a perfect one to celebrate for Samhain. Um, Her theme is magic. So Uh, The reading, sorry, this is from the Legendary Ladies Goddess deck by Anne Shen. And her reading is, time to get witchy with it. (laughs) Goddess of magic and queen of crossroads, Hecate reminds us that we are at the crux of our own power. You'll be at your most magical now and Hecate is reinforcing that power. So, how, Miss Maggie, will you invite magic and power into your life this week? Other than what you already do all the time. (laughs) I know. I'm just like,
0: (laughs) what do you mean? Is there another way?
1: (laughs) What are you going to do special for Samhain? Special for Samhain.
0: Well, I'm really excited to do a spell I found in this Llewellyn book. So Llewellyn has published a series of uh, Sabat books that Eric and i like to use and in it towards the end it's like the last thing before the correspondences there's a ritual for couples to um, do at samhain and since dana and i aren't going to do anything else for halloween this year um we i'm i'm going to make him do this with me he doesn't know yet so <laughs> <laughs> um but i think it's really special because it's not it's about Creating a psychic connection for the couple to help build that and to help um, enhance it for the rest of the year. So it kind of reinvites that into the into the relationship. And I teased this on my Instagram stories, but I saw this really cute reel of two black kittens wearing these bat wings, and I ended up getting them. I pulled the Instagram followers and. Um, the consensus was, yes, I should absolutely get them for my two black cats. And so we're going to have some fun. Uh, At least I'll have fun. They will tolerate it. But we're getting getting into the spirit here, so to speak. And it's uh, sort of hard to get into the Halloween spirit here in Florida because, like I've said, it doesn't really feel... Colder. It doesn't feel like the earth is dying or going to sleep. And so uh, my husband and I actually took a trip to Grand Rapids the weekend before Samhain. And he participated in a Halomeem polo tournament. And that was really fun because not only did we get back to a community that we love after a couple years away. This was the first tournament that he was able to go to. We used to love traveling to these and so it was really nice to be able to see our community again and meet new people. and then additionally to get a taste of that really cold weather that you get in the northern parts of the country. So um, so that's kind of what I feel like is getting into the Samhain spirit and some more and to feel more connected with that traditional energy of Samhain. Yeah, that's what I want to do special for Samhain.
1: I love Halloween and Samhain. Um, I haven't gotten to celebrate it the way that I want to for the past couple years because of reasons. And so I, last year with COVID and everything, it, we didn't really, we didn't really do anything. We had the candy bowl, but we didn't get dressed up and we didn't do anything and it was sad. And so this year I'm like decking myself out. Uh, My roommate and I went and got decorations for our porch last weekend. We're going to make them this week. We're going to go to the corn maze. We're going to get the pumpkins and do the carving. And all week at work, they're having spirit week. So I have a costume to wear every day of the week. Um, Nothing. So the first Monday is pajama day and I bought a rich widow robe, just like imagine like the Hollywood starlet with her feathered robe, uh, just like billowing down her stairs. So I'm gonna wear that on Monday. And then I have two really cute Halloween dresses and one of those mini witches hats that I'm gonna wear for Tuesday and Thursday. And then Friday is um, costume day. So I'm gonna do my Little Red Riding Hood costume And then Saturday, we're going to a party, and I'm going to wear my most elaborate costume, which is my fairy costume. And then Sunday, um, Kim's getting all into the idea of trick-or-treaters in our new neighborhood. We've got a lot of kids around, so I think we'll have quite a few. And I'm going to wear my joy costume from Inside Out for that, because we'll be at home, and it'll be comfortable. And we've been talking about having some friends over just to kind of hang out and greet the trick-or-treaters. I'm bummed because we live on such a busy
0: road. I doubt any trick-or-treaters come here. I have been trying to get trick-or-treaters to come to my house since I have l- not lived at our parents' house. <laughs> we lived in the middle of a neighborhood in college and there were kids all around and there was actually a church on the corner where kid they had a haunted house and so there was tons of kids walking down our street and my roommate Kristen and I sat on the front porch with our light on and a big bowl of candy and all of these kids walked by like we and it was we were probably scared them away because we were like don't you want candy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it probably made them but anyway so that was like the closest I'd ever been to having trick-or-treaters and then we lived in an apartment and I've lived in on busy roads and cities so yeah so. Just never had the opportunity. I'm excited. I haven't
1: had very many trick-or-treaters in the past. I, I did when at my old house, have a couple here and there, but it was, I never, I, I didn't do, it wasn't Halloween they, that I wanted. Um, it was like, I was still dressed up and I still got to see the kids, but it was not, it was not fun. Mm-hmm. And it, I was, I was doing it all by myself. There were party poopers involved yeah that's not fun. so
0: it's it's great that you have somebody who's like or a couple people who are like into it they're ready yeah
1: they're they're (laughs) excited and so I think that's I'm gonna I'm just embracing the magic of Samhain the witch's new year fresh start new beginnings and that's how I'm inviting Hecate to show herself very good All right, so we also would love to hear
0: from you. If you go to witchwanderer.com, you can answer this question. How will you invite magic to show itself this week? How are you celebrating Samhain? So next week, we'll be back on our regular schedule, and we will be looking for instances where the Five of Cups shows up in our daily life. So if you would like to share your story of the Five of Cups, send us a voicemail at listen at talkwitchcraft.com This card is sort of sad and depressing. It's about loss and disappointment and emotional confusion and regret. It's uh, somebody who can't see any goodness, only sees the bad things. Is feeling deprived, somebody who is thinks something has been taken from them. Um, so there's these feelings of sadness and grief and lost opportunities and um, all that kind of stuff. So we'll be again looking at how this card is showing up for us and we'd love to hear from you as well.
1: You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog 042. Join us next week when we talk about shadow work.
0: Make sure that you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode and help other witches find this show by leaving us a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this f- episode with other witchy folk. Bye bye. Goodbye.
0: Um, we, I, blip, blur, blur. In the past, <laughs> I created, <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> We can't get silly yet. We're not done.